Soup and sandwich, soup and sandwich, go together like a horse and carriage. Da 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 da, This is the Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Pardon it. Here's your host, Greg Cody. Do soup what? and sandwiches actually go together, though? Like, what's happening here? Oh, yeah, soup and... Well, actually, you know what happened? That That's a song called Love and Marriage. It was actually a big hit for Frank Sinatra, Love and Marriage. I know, I know the song. Most people know the okay. song. Okay, and then... Oh, I didn't know that. It, it wasn't one of his bigger hits. Anyway. It's because... Um, it, no, most people don't know that as a Frank Sinatra song. Most people know that as the theme song to Married with Children. Ah, right. Okay, you got, you got me on that one. No, but uh, I think Campbell's Soup... Uh, used that in an ad and came up with the soup and sandwich jingle. And soup and sandwich do go together probably better than um, a horse and carriage. They don't actually go together. Like the reason people think soup and sandwich go together, it's because on lunch menus, you often see soups and sat like a soup and sandwich combo. I think, you know, I just, I don't know. I'm more of a soup and salad guy. Soup and salad, soup and salad. Go together like a horse and rhymes with salad. Yeah, you got to stick with soup and sandwich. Um, that kind of thing. <laughs> that kind of thing is true. <laughs> it's hard to deny. It's hard to deny that. Doesn't it apply to anything? You could say that kind of thing. You know what? That kind of thing is the forerunner of it is what it is. I just realized that. I just had an epiphany. People who say it is what it is think they invented something. I've been saying that kind of thing for how long? My whole life for. 40 years, that kind of thing. I feel like it is what it is, kind of has a negative like tone to it. Like it is what it is. Right. Like, I can't change it. It's but true. That kind of thing is like the same, it means the same thing, but it's more upbeat. That it's kind of thing. Upbeat. Yeah, exactly. Posi- and you, it's like the positive version of his, of it is what it is. That's right. That's a, that's like, oh, that guy just scored a goal. That kind of thing. Yeah, that kind of thing. Someone, if someone scores a goal, you're not saying, ah, it is what it is. You're exactly. saying, ah, that kind of thing right there. Right, that, that kind, kind of thing. thing. But you have to say it quickly. You have to run them together as if it's one word. That kind of thing. That's the way it's supposed to be said. Try it. And it's spelled with an A at the end, the kind of, right? There's no, yeah, oh yeah, that that kind, of there's no of in this. It's that right. kind of thing. Say it real fast like you're supposed to. That kind of thing. That kind of thing. The emphasis has to be on the first syllable. That kind of thing. Why would we start a podcast like this? We've been talking for three minutes and we haven't said anything other than this. <laughs> I think that's, uh, that, that's uh, the key to uh, pod magic, frankly, is to um, say nothing but say a lot of it. Okay, enough of that. This is the Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody and Chris Cody. We're so glad you're here again. Uh, welcome back, Jack. And um, <laughs> listen, we got a lot to talk about here. Billy Gill, the famous Guillermo, Billy Gill, insecure Billy from... The Levitard Show is on with us. Why? The fish, baby. The fish, baby. We're having a fish <laughs> fry today on the pod, really, because the fish, the Marlins, the Merlins, the Magic Merlins, the um, bottom feeders are in the National League Division Series. Nobody thought they'd be here, so we're going to have a fun time with Billy talking about that. We try to get into Marlins, but you spend 20 minutes meandering about God knows what. It is true, but we do get to Marlins eventually, and we want to get to that soon. But first... I want to mention that, um, you know, the Heat uh, are playing game three. We record this on a Sunday, and the Heat are playing game three. They're down in a 2 nothing hole. They're favored to lose again tonight. 
it's probably going to be pretty sad 3-0 hole when you're listening to this. You don't think they have a shot to win game? Mm, no. No, I really don't. I mean, without, you know, if, if Bam and Goran um, miss game three again, which they're doubtful to play, uh, I just don't. I mean, LeBron's close enough now, man. That guy can uh, sniff it out, you know. The crazy thing about it is, is with, without Goran and without Bam, the Heat were still in that game late in the game. Like right. with, yeah. with Anthony Davis playing like the most dominant form of basketball you could possibly imagine, LeBron just looking like basically they're beating us two on eight. And we're still in it late in that game. So I just think like it would not like if any type of team is going to miraculously win game three and make this a two, one series with like both of their two of their better players out, like this type of team at the heat that doesn't rely on top heavy. Like imagine if the, the, the Lakers lost Anthony Davis or LeBron, like they would be crushed. Yeah. I'm not saying that the Heat aren't crushed. I'm just saying the Heat lost Goran and Bam, and they still have a Jimmy Butler, a Tyler Hero, a Jay Crowder, like guys that can go off for a Kelly Olynyk, like he did in yeah. Game Two. Like they, they're that deep. Where if a couple random guys have like career nights, they could actually win Game Three. Now, having said that, people are listening to this, and <laughs> the Heat either got demolished, and I sound like an idiot, or I sound like a genius right now. So, like, I love that we're okay, doing this well, ahead of time. Listen, I, I, I hope the Heat ended up winning game three. And I'm not saying that as a Miami homer. I'm saying that as a guy who wants to watch a good finals. Right. I'm saying that as somebody who wants it to go six or seven games. America needs you, NBA. Give us a good finals. Anyway, uh, Dolphins real quick. Dolphins lost today to the Seattle Seahawks. Well, today is whenever the listener's listening. But today is true. Sunday. So the Dolphins yes. lost. Yes, we're recording this Sunday. Uh, the Dolphins lost uh, and, and now the, the outcry, of course, is, is it two a time? Is it two a time? I'm going to answer that question directly right now because fans love the two a chant and your friend the media loves to always talk about, is it two a time? Here's when it's two a time. It's not two a time based on the Dolphins' one loss record or how the season is going. It's not two a time based on how Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing or what kind of game he just had. It is Tua time when three things intersect, when Tua Tagovailoa is 100% healthy, when he is 100% mentally ready, and, we ha- and when he has a 100% comfort level with Chan Gailey's offense. When those three things all happen in synchronicity, it's Tua time. It's not Tua time a minute before that or a minute later than that. Um, they want this kid in there. They need this kid in there but they're not hurrying uh, him. And I give them all the credit in the world for that. If it comes, I don't think it'll come against San Francisco next week uh, or later this week, I should say. Uh, If it comes the game after that, great. If he's ready, if it comes in another three or four games, more like mid season, I can see that too, but you don't rush uh, your future. You, you let it get here when it gets here. And that's my advice to uh, all my friends in the media as well as fans. That big, that big three like thing like sounded really good. My my rebuttal to that is is that two of those three things I think are checked off, and we're just like the only thing is the, the Changeli thing. I don't know. I'm not at practice every day. I don't know how well he's grasping that offense. Because like right. as far as the other thing, so you had his health, which I think is a check mark. You have his mental stability and readiness for the position of just being a starting quarterback. And from everything you've heard and hear him talk, like he seems really mature and 
So that seems like it'd be a check. So like to your point, if you're right, which I probably agree with, it's just about when he grasps this offense. But I would argue that he could have full grasp of the offense right now. And just let's let this sit a little bit. Like where there's no rush. Like right. even, if, even if he is fully grasped the offense, even if all three of those box are checked, like the Dolphins are in a perfect spot right now, I think, for this season where they're losing games, but every game they're competing in, they, they, they lost to the Bills, they lost to the Seahawks, they lost to the Patriots. Those could end up being three really good teams. The one mediocre team they played, they handled. So I actually think that this team is like is not that bad of a team. And if we could have a season where we have Tua in the chamber and we go we have a poor record so we get a good draft pick and we can draft a good player, then you start him maybe even next season. I know it sounds crazy, but like let's do the slow burn here, the slow build. The Dolphins are one of the most improved teams in the league and I say that even with them having a, a 1 and 3 record. They would have lost to Seattle last year by 30 or 40 points. Yeah, they were um, in that game. They were in that game. They just that couldn't team's perform good, in the man. red that, zone. Too many that, field goals. And that team is good. They were beaten up by injury, but that Seattle team is good. No, they are. And, and, uh, and, and I thought they defended um, Russell Wilson fairly well, other than a couple of uh, bombs against the rookie cornerback. They really miss Byron Jones. They got to get him healthy again. Yeah. Anyway. They, Your highest paid player should probably play. That's a good point. I know. Yeah, it's uh, – he's – don't get me started on that. All right, let's uh, let's move on. Let's uh, bring in insecure Billy Gill well, and see well, if he first, really is. Well, first we should talk about since it's Marlins related, Billy Gill. <laughs> we got to replay the sound of Tim Kirchin oh. on this show. Yes, thank you for reminding me about that. We had Kirchin on earlier in the podcast weeks ago, months ago, and he well, I, I, I want him, I want you to hear it in his own words. This is gold. Here's Kirchin before the season on the Marlins playoff possibilities. The Orioles, the Tigers, and the Marlins are not going to the playoffs. I don't care if the season is six games long, okay? <laughs> They're just some teams that are in major rebuilds. Those teams are in major rebuilds. Even in a major rebuild, you can't be good for 60 games. So, sorry, Marlins fans, Orioles fans, Tigers fans, and there are a few other teams out there it's we're going to give you a chance from the start and then we're going to write you off pretty quickly because the talent level just doesn't match up. Tim Kirchin, we love you. We've had you on the podcast a few times. We hope to have you on again someday, but we couldn't be more thrilled uh, just how spectacularly wrong you and all the other experts were because the Marlins are a fun story right now so, as the division series digs in. Somebody sent me a clip of Kirchin saying on SportsCenter that this was like during the Cubs series before they had beaten the Cubs, that if the Marlins win the World Series, he's retiring. Like, he, is, he has backed off on this when we've had him on the Levitard show, but in that statement, like, he doesn't think they're winning at all. So I'm, I don't even know what I'm rooting for there. As much as I love the Marlins, I can't have Tim Kirchner retire. Right. Well, the, the odds are still on his side, considering they, they have to win three, not one, not two, but three more series in a row to make him retire. But, uh, you know, Tim, we love you. We hope you don't retire, but... Uh, Let's go fish because it's a pretty exciting story down here right now. So we have Billy Gill's maiden voyage on the Greg Cody show. Are you excited? I am excited. Uh, you know, Billy is uh, a local legend uh, in the making, and uh, we're happy to feather his nest. A local legend. A legend. Yeah. Here we go. Hi, Billy. Hello. How are you? Good. Billy, do I look like a guy who's been on vacation? You do look like someone who's been on vacation. Not only on vacation, but you you did all that watercraft stuff. Well, I did it one day. 
Well, well. So. <laughs> you should have spaced out the picture so everybody thought you were doing it over a span of, of multiple. <laughs> I, I paid 38 bucks for like an hour on a, uh, whatever it's called, what's it called? Like, not a canoe, a paddle, Kayak or something. kayaking. And like after like 20 minutes, my upper, like I was just like, okay, done with this. Yeah. So I went right back in and he's just like, you got like a half hour left. You want to try this wakeboard? I'm like, sure, let's try it. <laughs> so I did that for like 20 minutes. And so, yeah, but my body felt like I did it all day. Anyways. Yeah, you uh, you were working way too hard on vacation there. That's like, um, you know, on a, on a cruise ship, back when people used to take cruise ships before they became uh, floating uh, vessels of hell and death. Um, <laughs> the uh, cruise ships have fitness rooms, like gyms on a cruise ship. I never understood that. If I'm on a cruise ship, I want to do nothing but eat and drink and, and sit in a, a chaise lounge. I don't want to go work out. So, so people what? who are like about that life shouldn't even have that option. Just get it out of it because you don't want it. Get the, the hell out of here. Exactly. The same with resorts. If I'm at a, at a fancy resort on vacation, I don't want to see that fitness room. Insane. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Guillermo Billy Gill joining us on the podcast. This is a thrill, Billy, because um, I see you in Zoom uh, for a couple hours on Tuesdays on the Levitard show, but there's a lot uh, that I want to talk to you about in addition to the Marlins because oh. uh, you're a you're a super Marlin fan. Are you? Uh, I did. I just told Billy about the Marlins. Are you like blindsiding him? Is this a deep dive on Billy we're doing? I would say it's a shallow dive. Ooh. Yeah, we're we're shallow diving uh, into the deep end uh, so that we don't like uh, break our neck or anything. Billy, what do you think of the nickname Insecure Billy on the show? Wow. What's that all about? It's quite the start, huh? <laughs> Thank you for having me on the show, by the way, Greg. I'm a big fan. <laughs> Thank you, Billy, for saying that. I appreciate it. I've downloaded every episode. I haven't listened, but I've downloaded. <laughs> That's all that matters, then, honestly. That is all that matters, although you have missed uh, some, uh, some wonderful uh, episodes. Uh, I think we've had two or three wonderful episodes so far and done 30. But um, no, seriously, because... You know, on the show, on the Levitard show, everybody is sort of plays their role and, and gets a nickname. I don't even know. I've never asked Christopher how he feels about being called Fat Chris. I but hate it. Do you really? I mean, I'm, you're not I'm half fat. kidding. It's good for business, but obviously, who likes to be called fat? Right. You're stocky. Uh, you're barrel chested. Uh, but I've never thought of you as fat. Um, but getting back to Insecure Billy, is that yeah. an accurate... Uh, is there anything truthful about that? Because... You seem pretty secure to me. Well, thank you, Greg. Um, you know, it's not the uh, it's not the best nickname, I'd say. And I when uh, when it you know started, I wasn't necessarily in love with it. But at the same time, I was like, well, I guess you know, I'll have a nickname; it'll be good. But it's kind of been—I mean, not to give like a super serious answer, but it's kind of been like a weird blessing, right? Because. There's very little expectation whenever I do anything. It's like, well, he's going to just kind of be horrible at this. So I've kind of been able to just be myself and not overdo things and not try to like play up being an expert on something that I'm not. Or I've kind of been able to just be me and make my mistakes and people kind of just roll with it because they're like, ah, he's insecure. He's just going to botch this. So I've actually been able to get more comfortable by having the expectation that I'm going to be horrible at things, if that makes sense. That, that's honestly been very similar for me with the Levitard show. Like I, 
we celebrate like mistakes so much that it's put me in a spot where like, I don't fear making a mistake because then that could just turn into something funny for the show. So it's, it's actually not a terrible spot to be in. Right. Well, you know, I mean, that's certainly the case with me and the hard network out and all that stuff. I mean, when I fail, uh, the show prefers it almost. Sometimes uh, you get that feeling. Um, Billy, how long have you been on the show? I started on the show as an intern in 2010. And then I started working on the show, like paid in 2012. Okay. So I am going to uh, celebrate your 10th anniversary. On oh, the wow. Show. Um, uh, you're, Thanks, we have a, an imaginary cake with 10 sparklers on it. Oh, wow. <laughs> insecure, insecure Billy is written on the cake because I had, I ordered, the, I ordered the cake before I realized you didn't particularly like that nickname. So uh, no, it's fine. But anyway, don't even, is this ice cream cake? It is an ice cream cake. Yeah. It's and happy, out, it's been sitting out for like 20 minutes too. So it's like perfect. It's and perfect. Yeah. Happy anniversary. Uh, is there a happy anniversary song? Like there, there's a happy birthday song. There isn't right. Happy anniversary together. Um, I just figured out what you're doing here, by the way. You're looking for clickbait. Like, you're going to, like, put in the headline of this episode, Billy reacts to his nickname on the Levitard show. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, wait, all... you want to do a re- – wait, hold on, hold on. Let's redo it then. Do you want it to be <laughs> juicier? What do you want my reaction to be? And we'll do that. Oh, wow. Should I be uh, outraged? I, this, this, this is the kind of guest I like, uh, a malleable guest. Um, yeah. Yeah, I want you to be as outraged as you, as you feel is justified. Uh, I'm asking you an honest question, insecure Billy, because a lot of people would take that as an insult, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's horrible. It's, it's honestly, I hate it. It's yeah. one of the worst things. Uh. I go in every day and I'm like, what are they going to say to me today? How are they going to put me down? And it's just kind of been eating at me and eating at me and yep. eating at me slowly for 10 years. And every time they say, and by the way, Guillermo, my birth name, only called it there. And I feel like those are just these little things that you just, <laughs> just eating away at me very slowly. And it's like one day I just, I'm just going to lose it. I think, I think I'm just going to lose it. And thankfully I have outlets like this that I can come on to talk to you, Greg and Chris about it and kind of just, you know, decompress a little so that it doesn't eat at me. And I, I, you know, I think you guys value me and I really appreciate you coming on and asking. No one even ever has ever asked me, Hey, how do you feel about that nickname until today? So yeah, thank well, you, Greg. It, it's important to me. And I know, um, I also want to ask you, uh, what you see, I asked Christopher. Oh this Christ, sometimes. man! We got our clickbait already. Can we talk Marlins? I mean, we're, Jesus! We're, we're gonna get. Oh, we're gonna God. get to. We're gonna yeah, get, we'll to, get there. We're gonna get to the Marlins in just a minute because you two are Let's around the same age. You two are both Marlins babies. Babies. You, you all are like little gap-toothed six-year-old kids wearing ball caps that are way too big for you when the Marlins started. So you two literally grew up with the Marlins, which I want to get into. But first, Billy, uh, in all seriousness, what do you see yourself doing? in 10 years. Okay. It's post Levitard show. Dan has retired. He's living on a yacht. Um, and are you still in radio in 10 years? Do you see yourself doing something totally different because you guys are so young, uh, you know, you can do whatever you want. I'm just curious if you considered your future. I can't practice law and I can't practice medicine, so I can't do whatever (laughs) I want. Right. I can't go to the moon. That's true. I don't know. Maybe we can go to the moon. Greg, you know me somewhat. What do you think that my uh, abilities are suited for? Like, should I, should I just like move away from this whole media thing and start over? Like, have you seen me and thought like, you know what? 
he'd be a good carpenter, woodworker or something. I don't think I can do that. Yeah, you'd be a good woodworker, I think. But oh, um, oh, thank you. What yeah, do you, where I, do you see yourself in 10 years? Not to flip the question on you. Dead, probably. No, oh, I'm just kidding. Oh, man. I'm just kidding. I, I just, uh, you know, I, 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 I use dark humor. Uh, in 10 years, um, I see myself retired, finally. I see myself uh, continuing to enjoy all my grandchildren because we'll probably be plural by then. Wow. And, um, no you know, Probably traveling, traveling the world if travel is safe by then. But let's get back to you, Billy, because yes, uh, so. I don't know whether, and, and I guess I put this to Christopher as well. Um, are you guys radio lifers now? Like you're going to be on air or producing as a career beyond Levitard show? Or do you see uh, something else on the horizon? I see Billy and I both 10 years from now in the writing room of Mike Schur's latest project. Oh, wow. wow. That's like the ceiling. <laughs> Us taking advantage of that relationship that we barely have. Like Billy and I, like we just met him like once. So like, you know, there's not a deep relationship. But I feel like that's the ceiling of taking this opportunity and going up from it. Because otherwise, like... <sighs> It's not going to, I mean, for me at least, it's not going to be pretty after this. I don't know that he likes us to that extent that he'd be like, let me give you jobs. And Maybe I'll, just and, you. you know, important jobs. He like probably coffee. thinks you're smart. Like, we could get like getting coffee or something. I don't, you know what's funny is that when I started interning on the show, I was interning on the radio show and I was interning at a local TV station at the same time. And I kind of like TV and video, like that aspect of it, even though radio is like freer and it's less, um, it's less, I don't even know the word I'm looking less for. Structure. It's less like rigid, yeah, and like structured because you can kind of, you have all the time that you need to fill live. So you have more, you know, room to play around with. I'd, I'd like to still be doing something in the media in 10 years if the media will still have me in 10 years. I mean, it's scary to think that like, you know, I may not have a future of the show, but maybe I won't. You did come up with Calm or Panic for uh, the, the Stugat show. Yeah, panic or calm, that took off. So, like, you know, yeah. the, the TV roots are there. To be honest with you, I don't think I even came up with that. I think I just, you know, <laughs> typed in the questions, but I don't think that was my idea. Well, I, I, I do think you guys are both very talented, and I'm, I'm not just saying that because uh, I'm Zooming with you right now. I but, feel like you're mm. saying that about me because I'm your son. Like, Greg, uh, did, you ever do, did you ever do Sports Bang? You did a, an episode or two, right? Of, of what now? Of Sports Bang, Stugatz's TV show. No, I don't think I, I, don't think I ever really? did that. Oh, man. No. Stugatz probably said to you, buddy, I'm going to have you all. You probably got that spiel from Stugatz a bunch, but it never actually happened. I think I did. Yeah. But, you know, had I been on, had I been on, that would uh, vault right to the top of my resume. I'll tell you that. You know what? I've said it once. If I've said it once, I've said it a million times. One of my biggest regrets in life is that you were never on Sports Bank, Greg. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's rewind it. Billy. Retroactively. Billy, when I was early on interning with the Levitard Show, let me invited me to come, you know, watch that. And it was like, you know, that was when I was still getting my feet wet, even as an intern. So I was always so appreciative. And that was really cool to like that Billy, let me do that. I think, I think after like two episodes, Chris is like, what am I doing? Waking up, driving all the way down to Doral every Friday. There's nothing to do. Well, yeah. I mean, it was, it was really cool. It was honestly, it was my first like experience, like being on any kind of set like that. So like, it was really cool for me. Like, you know, seeing Goldie walk into the room that first time. I mean, geez. (laughs) I was starstruck by Goldie too. I'm like, wow, Goldie knows who I am. This is crazy. Boy, you guys put Goldie on a pedestal. I mean, because we used, Greg, we grew up and we would listen to Goldie on the radio and we'd see, and he was like a big fish. Like he was a star. Not that, you know, Stugatz wasn't the star, but like Goldie, I mean, Goldie's like a South Florida sports legend, right? No, Uh, definitely. I guess so, apparently. 
Um, Who do you think, Greg, are the biggest South Florida sports legends if Goldie's not one of them? In broadcasting. In broadcasting. Oh, in broadcasting. Not not newspaper. Um, You mean current or past? Let's say... All time. Well, let's do all time, and then let's just do like 90 to 2004. Okay, well, um, you got to put Hank Goldberg in there. Hammer and Hank Goldberg. The hammer. uh, The hammer. Um, He meant a lot to this uh, area, I think. Uh, And and likewise, um, Neil Rogers, I would uh, put on on any Mount Rushmore, or Mount Gregmore, I should call it, of... um, of all timers. Um, Are you going to do one of those today? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Today is the ends, Billy. And is in Nancy. I don't know if Nancy's going to be the number one name. That'll be revealed later. But Does, uh, does Billy maybe want to take part in it? Should we just do it right now? I, I, I'm happy just being a fly on the wall for Mount Craigmore, to be honest with you. There you go. There you go. You want to do it, Greg, before we get to Marlins? You want to do Greg Moore right now? It's like two minutes, as we could. My dad's very bad on the fly. Like, Billy just gave us an opening. We could just don't go. let me Don't let me disrupt your flow. I'm sorry for throwing this all <laughs> Well, Christopher, you're the producer. Normally, Greg Moore uh, is, is at the tail end of the right. podcast. But as you heard me say in the interview, I was like, we could just do it now. It's fine. We'll do Greg Moore okay, later. Sorry, uh, Billy. All right. I want uh, no to we're, apologize. We're talking with the great Guillermo Billy Gill, the uh, – the legend, the uh, pride of FIU, uh, the number one broadcast. Not a lot of people know this. Billy is the number one most popular person on the air among the demographic of retired pole vaulters. Uh, Boom. Not a lot of people know that. But, I'll take what I can get. Can I just yeah. start to interrupt in terms, of, in terms of ratings and demographics? Just the show that you were never on, Sports Bank. I don't know that we've said this, but I'll tell you, a Greg Cody show exclusive. Our key demographic, oddly, because we got ratings like three times, was women sixty plus. Like that's the ah. only that's the only demographic we rated well, and all the other ones didn't even register. And then for whatever reason, that demographic was really like not even high. It was just our highest demographic was women sixty and up. It was that's the funny. Thing. It's two guys yeah. trying to start trying to sell the show that way. Like ah, uh, women I... products, like older women. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird demographic. <laughs> <coughs> Pardon me. When I when I laugh spontaneously, sometimes I cough. All right, the Marlins, the magical Marlins. They're so magical. Uh, we're going to start calling them the Merlins, like Merlin Ooh. the magician. The Miami Merlins, the bottom feeders. Uh, what a great story, Billy. I think of you as a huge Marlins fan. Is that true, or is that just radio stick? Are you seriously like a mega Marlins fan? I live and die with the Marlins, unfortunately. It's, uh, it's a gift and a curse that my parents gave me at a very young age, as you alluded to earlier. Me and Chris both grew up with the Marlins, so we were there, you know, five years old, six years old, whatever it was. And, uh, yeah, I mean, my first sport playing was baseball, so this was the baseball team, and it just kind of lined up perfectly. The Right around the time I was playing t-ball, there was a Major League Baseball team starting, so... For me, it was like normal. It wasn't like a new team or anything like for you guys. But yeah, I watched the Marlins and uh, it's weird. I love the Marlins and I hate the Marlins at the same time. <laughs> I get very frustrated with them and I also get very happy with them. Who was it Who was it that you were texting me? Was it Corey before the Corey Dickerson three-run home run in game one? Was it like, I hate Corey? You said that you had said to yourself, I hate Corey Dickerson. And then I turned... <laughs> so he's leading off. It's the first playoff game the Marlins have played in 17 years. And I'm looking at the line. I'm like, what is Matt Joyce doing in the lineup? Unrelated to, to you know, Corey Dickerson. Because I'm, 
believe it or not, I'm a big Lewis Brinson fan. I know people will say that that's insincere because of the, uh, you know, the all-star campaign we had from a couple years ago, but I really get happy when Lewis Brinson is in and he's doing well and he had a good, you know, second half of the season. So I want him in the outfield. So anytime anyone's doing anything poorly that I see, I'm like, Lewis Brinson should have been playing instead. Like, what are we even doing right now? So Corey Dickerson's leading off and we're by the sixth or seventh inning. We're down one, I think, and nothing's really happening. The offense hasn't really taken off. And I'm like, I turn to my wife and I'm like, man, Corey Dickerson sucks. And then two seconds later, Opposite field home run, and I'm screaming at the top of my lungs in the apartment. I'm like, that's why Corey Dickerson's playing. That's why you put him in. All right. And and when he uh, – you could read his lips when Corey Dickerson was rounding third base. You could hear him mouthing, take that, Billy Gill. You oh, know, because... I, thought it, I thought he said thanks for the motivation. I think he did. Yeah, it could have been that as well. I mean, you, yeah. you inspired that. I want to ask you both, uh, Marlon's babies, five, six years old when the team was born. Babies. Er- earliest memory – because uh, I remember Christopher had the, the life-size poster of Arrestus Destrada on his Oh, yeah, the growth floor. chart. Mm-hmm. What are you guys' earliest memories of that of that 93 season? In 93? I would remember sitting in the upper deck with my family. Not, like, not necessarily opening day. I was at opening day, but not an opening day memory. But I would remember like going through the program. And for whatever reason, I don't know why kids are like this, but I knew all the players' numbers at the time. And what their number was and, you know, how they would bat, like their batting stance and all that stuff. I don't know what, if you ask me now, like a quiz of what the Marlins numbers were, I'd be horrific at it. I couldn't tell you what number any of the players are, but for whatever reason, as a kid, I was really good at that. And I think a lot of kids remember that for some reason. I also, not only the, uh, not only the Arrested Estrada growth chart, I used to have a Benito Santiago poster at the end of my bed that was framed. And it was him clutching back to throw out a runner and it said, "Thou shalt not steal." Oh. And then we we met him at like a, uh, I think we met him like at Sawgrass Mills or something like that. And he autographed the poster. It was the coolest thing. I had it like up on the wall, but it was like this kind of rinky dink uh, like frame that it was in. And I was kind of a an active kid, so the posters would fall off the wall occasionally and ended up getting messed up. So I no longer have the "Thou shalt not steal" clutched back. Benito Santiago, locked and loaded, ready to throw out a base runner at second base. Now that you say it, I think my earliest memory might be, did, I had a birthday party at a, a Marlins game. Ooh, yes. like, I it, did too. And it was like, it, like they used to do that, and then you would take your whole group and sit in the upper deck. Uh-huh. And I remember right. doing that, and it was like pouring. And like I don't know if the game got rained out. That That's yeah. the earliest memory. That had to be when I was like six or seven. And they would put happy birthday, Chris Cody, on the Jumbotron. It was the, the best. coolest thing. The coolest thing, yeah. I also remember the little bats. Did you used to get by those little bats and do the stances? Yeah, yeah. I think it was called a, a Billy's Birthday Bash because Billy the Marlin would show up and your whole group would go upstairs. Mine was in 1996, and I only remember that because they gave us, like, 1996 Marlins pins, and we had, like, a ton of them. I think my parents for that rented a 15-passenger van and took all my friends up together in the 15-passenger van to go to the thing and then, like, my family was there. My grandparents, my friend. Oh, God. Billy's birthday bash. I remember. That was so cool. Fast forward to 1997. It's their first World Series team. Uh, you guys are like nine, turning 10. Uh, who were your favorite players, each of you, from that 97 team? I really liked Moises Alou. I don't know why Moises Alou was my favorite player from the 97 team. I think it was either Gary Sheffield or, man, this is tough. That's like... That's such a Bobby Bonilla, man. I liked him too. I don't know. That's tough. I don't. I don't. I don't think I have a specific one. 
And what about uh, the 03 team? Um, favorite players from, from that second championship team? I mean, Pudge, when we traded for Pudge, and then he, yeah, I, I think Pudge was my favorite. Derek Lee, too. Derek, that, we traded for Pudge. I loved having Pudge and just, like, his vibe. But Derek Lee, I think I would say, was my favorite player because I played first base. My favorite player was Juan Encarnacion, and I can't tell you why. I have no idea why because he was probably – he was, like, the 10th uh, the man on that team eventually after they got Cabrera in there and they started putting Cabrera out in the outfield then Juan Encarnacion wasn't getting as much playing time as he was earlier in the year. I loved Juan Encarnacion. Then obviously I loved Dontra Willis when they brought up the D trade. Juan Pierre was fast. Luis Castillo. I love the speed. You know who I remember just going back to 97 for a minute? I'm trying to remember his exact name. I think it was Dennis Cook. That was like a reliever, lefty, right? The lefty. Yeah. Yes. And I think, I'm pretty sure that he hit and got a home run once. And I don't know why I think that. And I don't know how I'm even going to look that up while this is going on, but I'm going to look it up. I feel like they had him in a game and he hit a home run. And I remember thinking, Dennis Cook, why was he hitting and why did he hit a home run? But I liked Dennis Cook for some reason. Who was the reliever Powell? We had is that O three? Powell. Was it Jay Powell? I remember Powell. I love just remembering random relievers. Yeah, I remember Jay Powell. I remember the name. Don't remember a thing about him. Um Billy, hold on, hold on. I'm looking up right now. I do see, I just typed in Dennis Cook home run and what popped up? Marlins reliever Cook delivers walk-off hit. So maybe that was it. Was it not uh, a run? Maybe he. Maybe didn't... that's what it was. Why did I okay. like Dennis Cook so much? Why are we talking about Dennis Cook? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Dad, you're the one asking us randomly our favorite players, like. <laughs> right, but but nobody's favorite player is Dennis Cook. I'm sorry, Dennis, <laughs> if you're listening. Uh, I'm not meaning to insult you. Dennis is a big fan. We should get him on the pod. Ooh, yeah. Now Marlins versus Braves in Houston. When when you play in Houston at Mid. In Maid Park, does that mean both teams are going to start cheating and sealing signs and everything? It's such it's so weird to play this series in a bubble, in a neutral bubble. But I guess uh, that that's for safety's sake. Expert fan Billy Gill, how do you appraise this uh, Braves Marlins division series? So the people that I've talked to are not super thrilled about the Braves. Like going into it, going into the playoffs, like we just want to avoid the Braves. We just want to avoid the Braves. That was me. Trap. That's how I feel. <laughs> and and the Marlins did avoid the Braves in the first round, but they played the Braves 10 times and they won four out of the 10. So it was pretty split. I mean, they had a couple games where they were completely annihilated. So if you look at the run differential, it wouldn't be the best, but I'm not super afraid of the Braves. I feel like they've seen the Braves enough that maybe they could hang with them. I think that, you know, at the same point, though, the Braves lit up Sixto when they saw Sixto for a second time, so that wasn't great. But I'm not, I guess I'm not scared of what's going on because there's really no expectations for the Marlins coming into this year, right? Like, I shouldn't right. say no expectations, but making it to the second round of the playoffs, eliminating the National League Central champions, you know, via sweep in the first round of the playoffs, I don't think anyone would have told you that that was going to happen, especially after the first series of the year where they lost 18 players. So I, I'm not overly concerned about the Braves. Everybody's saying that you got to keep it low-scoring games against the Braves, but they have pitching. The Marlins have pitching that, you know, that's what you need in the playoffs. You just need to take three out of five. And right. with the top three that they have, you know, you have Pablo, you have Sandy, and you have Sixto. And then after that, I will see who they put out there. I guess Trevor Rogers will get a start and we'll see who they have starting. But I mean, I feel like they could take two of those first three and 
then after that, you just need to win one of three and you could have someone come back on short rest. I don't know. I, I'm confident. I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, I should say, not confident. Yeah. I, I think the key is um, the Marlins bullpen, which, which was great in, in the two Cubs games. I mean, six and a third shutout inning because during the regular season, the Marlins uh, bullpen area was 5.50, one of the worst in the big leagues. I don't think they have a – correct me if I'm wrong, the Marlins don't really have a, a power arm coming out of the bullpen. They don't have that guy who's going to come in and strike out a side uh, or strike out a couple of guys in an inning if you need them to, do they? I mean, they don't have, like, the guy that's, like, like the Josh Hader for the Brewer. Like, they don't have that guy. They don't have a guy. Chapman. Right. right. But, I mean, like, Yimi Garcia, the guy yeah, who's been eighth, eighth inning guy, he throws mid-90s. But you're right. He's not, like, a dominant strikeout guy. You are right. They Kinsler, their closer, is, like, a two-seam low-90s guy. So Their like starting they, pitchers seem to throw harder than their, their relievers. It's a weird dynamic in South Florida right now because as the Miami Heat are letting us down in the NBA Finals – uh, partly due to injuries, uh, untimely injuries. All of a sudden, I feel like the Marlins are like the talk of the town, with, which they haven't been in forever. Um, and, and I'm encouraged by the Jeter rebuild because I think this is proof that it's arriving, not that it's here, but it, that it's happening and, and still in progress. So how do you guys feel about the, the future, being a Marlins fan right now? I've been interested because I've been just digesting MLB Network because the Marlins are actually like just won a series. So we're getting talked about and stuff. So like I've just had MLB Network on my TV for like four days straight. And it's funny that they seem to be giving Michael Hill more credit. Like you hear Michael Hill referenced more in terms of, which is fair because he's the guy under Jeter who's doing the day to day apparently. But so I've just been wondering if Jeter's watching MLB Network thinking to himself, this, this guy I think he's that. up. I think he's up for a possible extension now. So it's like, well, is Michael Hill responsible? Do we extend him? Do we not extend him? What do we do here? Because going into it, I mean, and I'm as much to blame for this as anyone, I suppose, but we would come after and be like, well, why is Michael Hill still there? They got rid of everybody. The teams didn't pan out. Why is Michael Hill there? And then the people that, you know, have the inside information on what was going on. It's kind of like, well, Michael Hill did what he could do considering all of the, uh, you know, he can evaluate talent. Like I think get. we've always had talent, even with the Loria crew, like we were always able to like evaluate and like acquire talent, but like it was just about Reese. Like they didn't want to pay any developing. Yeah. Developing or, you know, right. Well, the Marlins, the Marlins gave up a ton to get a ton. I mean, look at uh, the year Marcelo Zuna had for the Braves. I mean, he, he, that guy flirted with the triple crown. I think he led in, uh, led the NL in. Yeah, but we, but we have, but we have our number one starter because we that's what it. I'm talking about. You have yeah. to give up a lot to get a lot. And uh, we essentially got our number one and two starters for Rio Muto and Ozuna. Neither of those players are even on the teams that we, well, JT is going to be a free agent now. So the Phillies, you question, was that trade worth it for the Phillies? Because if they don't re-sign him, then what did they really get out of him? I don't. The Phillies didn't make the playoffs last year. I don't think either, right? So they got Oz- nothing out a, of JT. And Ozuna's and a Oz- one-year deal, right? Ozuna was traded to the uh, to the Cardinals, and he signed with the Braves, I think, via free agency for eighteen million dollars. So, like, you like what Ozuna's doing? And I was even thinking, like, man, what if we would have signed Ozuna in the offseason? But I mean, do you like what he's doing for eighteen million dollars a year? I don't know. Well. They've gone so strong on pitching and, and in the draft, too. I think, didn't they, their first five or six draft picks were all pitchers? I mean, they are obviously want to be the team with, with great young arms, but they need bats. There's no question about that. Yeah. You know, they, they just uh, – and, and I agree that uh, I think that this, these have to be low-scoring games. These have to be four to two 
kind of games. You can't get into an, uh, an 11 to 8 kind of game and, and beat the Braves, I don't think. But The um, thing a little concerning to me, Greg, about the last season or, or the last series, I should say, against the Cubs is the Marlins are not going to out-home run the Braves. So they need to be getting on base and they need to be moving people over. They need to continue doing kind of this small ballish situation yeah. that they were doing where they're stealing bases and stuff like that. Now, they've run themselves out of innings also because they've been a little too aggressive at times on the base paths. But to beat the Braves, they're going to have to get people on and they're going to have to be moving people over and they're going to have to be driving people in on timely hits, and you don't want to rely on two-out hits, which is what they've done all season. But then they did it last series because, like, they're saying it last series. They're like, this is the best two-out hitting team. I'm like, it's so fluky. That can't be a skill. Yeah, and then that game, and then boom, two-out home run, two-out hits. And I'm just like, okay, maybe it's You don't want to live like that, though. Like, try if you get people on. Had, they had opportunities last season or last series alone where they had runners on first and second. They didn't drive anybody in. They'd hit into a double play. They need to do little things like that to beat the Braves that they got away with not doing to sweep the Cubs. That's good advice by Billy. Don't intentionally try to get to two outs. Try to get the runs with zero outs, maybe even with one out, and then fall back on two outs. Yes. That's the expertise we wanted from Billy Gill when we asked him on the podcast today. And, uh, Billy, we've been honored to uh, have you on here. Continue to do uh, standout work on the Levitard show and uh and we'll continue to uh enjoy uh enjoy you on the air how about that well thank you greg i enjoy uh thanks for having me i enjoy you on the air as well and i look forward to uh your appearance on the show all right all right cool billy thank you you're welcome bye guys all right See you. thanks for having me thanks for being ahead <laughs> All right, everybody. You know what time it is right now? It's Mount Gregmore time. We're at halftime of the Mount Gregmore name game with 13 letters in the bank and 13 more to go. Well, technically, we've started the 14th, so we're not at halftime anymore. Halftime well, just ended, and now we're beginning the second half. It's the start of the third quarter right now. It's true. The marching band has left the field. Uh, the ball is teed up for the second half kickoff, and so here come the ends the longest half of my life you know every week we bring you the top five american first names of a given letter over the past century based on government records then deliver the mount cragmore of the winning name n is not an immensely popular letter quite frankly so this could be a challenging you say and 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 oh and i thought you said it sounded like you were starting a sentence and um n is not an immensely popular letter so this could be as challenging as a 17-foot downhill putt, but let's give it a shot. Number five, N, Noah. Number four, Nathan. Number three, Nicole. Number two, Nicholas. And numero uno for the N's, Nancy. Oh, those were oh, such Lord, those, those were su- those were such good names leading up. I'm like, all right, these are these are popular names. We could have some fun with this. And then Nancy. Lord help me. Um, okay, first, our honorable mention. Since 1938, she's been a fixture in what we used to call the Sunday Funnies. Peaked in the 1970s, appearing in some 880 newspapers, still in around 75. She's been dating Sluggo for more than 80 years. It's the comic strip, Nancy. And now number five. There are two singers, oddly enough, who share this name. One is in the group Heart, 
But our number five was the jazz singer and civil rights activist whose five-decade career earned her three Grammys, Nancy Wilson. Number four, this American figure skater medaled in the Winter Olympics and World Championships, though never winning gold. Unfortunately, she may be most remembered for being on the receiving end of that 1994 attack that injured her knee, orchestrated by bitter rival Tonya Harding. It's Nancy Kerrigan. Alrighty. Number three. We're struggling with the Nancys, I gotta tell you, but it, it's the number one name, I gotta go with it. Number three, Congresswoman from California, Speaker of the House and Chief Thorn in the Price. side of Donald Trump. Although Trump has such an ample side, I wonder if he even feels that thorn. It's Nancy Pelosi. Number two. She was a singer, actress, and eldest daughter of one of the most iconic performers of the 20th century. 20th century. Successful in her own right with two number one hits, including These Boots Are Made for Walking. And that's just what, what they'll do. do. One of these, these days, days, these boots are gonna walk, walk all over you. Why are you singing so slow? Pick up the tempo, Jack. It's Nancy Sinatra! Wait, she sang that song? Oh, yeah. Nancy Sinatra sang that song? Yeah, who do you think sung it? I just, see my wife, you hear my wife in the background. Really? I, I just always heard that song and assumed it was just some regular country. I didn't know who sang it. I knew the song. Oh, I, I hope I'm not wrong here. That would be so embarrassing. I'm pretty sure. I'll look it up while you keep going. I'll look it up. Okay, I'm pretty sure it was Nancy Sinatra. And now, the number one Nancy ever born. She was an actress turned first lady of the United States of America through most of the 1980s. The Just Say No drug awareness campaign was her idea. Just say yes to Nancy Reagan. Good, so I was right. All right, these boots are made for oh, walking. Okay, you're right. was Nancy Sinatra, but she gets nosed out by Nancy Reagan as the number one. And, and what okay. a terrible list. Yeah, but uh, you know, you gotta go with what brought you. Let's tuck the ends in, into bed and turn out the light. You all know what's ahead. I'm glad we didn't let Billy stick around for this. This was not, yeah, would, not right. would not have been worth his time. It really wouldn't have. Uh, now you all know what's ahead. Oh my, it's the O's. Stay tuned. Oh, is because of oh, oh my. Is that yeah, what you're Oh my, it's the O's around the corner. Can't wait. Uh huh. How come we say, what's the difference between around the corner and down the street? I think around the corner uh, has an immediacy to it. I think around the corner means in, in one more step, you're there. Or down the road. It would be, not be down the street. Like that, yeah, let's down, do that down, down the, the road, road. Down the road has an eventuality to it that uh, around the corner doesn't. Uh, but I'm glad you asked. Uh, I'm, I'm into idioms. I don't know if that makes me an idiot, but I'm into idioms. Um, that's been another award-winning episode of The Greg Cody Show. We want to thank special guest Billy Gill for joining us on the podcast insecure, today. Insecure Guillermo. Insecure Guillermo Billy Gill uh, proved pretty secure on our show. What do you think, thought, that, what do you think the headline should be? <laughs> Billy Gill rips Dan Lebitard. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, Gill, uh, Gill guts Lebitard. Gill is the name of a fish, is it not? We asked him about his future. We could put Billy Gill plans his future post-Levitard. Yeah, we could do a lot with that. But um, anyway, thanks, Billy, seriously, for joining us. And uh, thank you all, Pod family, most of all, because uh, we appreciate your support each and every week. It means a lot to us. And uh, we'll see you again next week. Same time, same place. Bye-bye. 
So you're thanking the listeners more than you're thanking Billy? Yes. Yeah. We don't want to tell Billy that, right? Like he probably well, wants an, maybe an equal level. Aren't all thank yous the same? No, they're not. I hate to say it, and maybe this will impede uh, having guests on our show in the future, but listeners outrank guests, I'm going to be quite honest, because the guests come and go. You know, the guests are, are coming through the, uh, the rotating door, uh, whereas uh, our listeners, the, the good ones, the ones who are loyal to us, are back every single week. But a lot of them don't come back every week. Like you right now, listener, that, like right now, I'm talking to you. You didn't listen to last week's episode with Izzy. Go back and listen to it. No, 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 not you. You, you listen. You're great. You, you show up every week. <laughs> but you, you know who I'm talking to, you. You didn't listen last week. Go back and listen because exactly. it was really good. Yeah, start with episode one uh, and catch up. Do what Billy does. I want to know who our real Greg Cody show listeners are. Go back, download all the previous episodes. Yes. If you prove to me that you did that on Twitter, we'll retweet it from the Greg Cody show account. Go download all the previous episodes to show your commitment to us. And once you show me you did that, I will retweet it from the Greg Cody show account. Let's see who really likes us. Let's see who really cares. Yes. Show us the love because we show you the love every week on the air. Good night, everybody. You seem like a guy that's always wanted to say goodnight, everybody. I know. Wasn't that Letterman's catchphrase? Because all the late night guys don't say that, but I think I can hear Letterman saying, good night, everybody. You know, one of those like G apostrophe nights. Good night, everybody. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.